0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Active Optimist podcast. This is Arena, your host, The Active Optimist. With everything I do, I want you to believe that you don't have to be depressed forever. I truly believe that depression is the ultimate cry for help, not for happiness, but for connection back to ourselves and what truly matters. I'm here each week to support you, bring community, and give you daily actions to address the social, psychological, and biological causes of depression, so that you can step into the life you know you're meant to lead. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. Irina, if, if you're new, and if you're returning, thank you so much for returning. In this week's episode, I wanted to talk about how mental illness and mental health plays out in rhetoric and in the reporting of anti-Asian hate crimes, in particular, obviously, when the pandemic is happening, when COVID is happening, and right after Trump basically blames the pandemic and everything that's happening on Asians, in particular Chinese people. So this week's episode, I started thinking about it because of an attack on Asian woman that in New York City So she was pushed into the tracks in an incoming train and was killed. And New York City immediately really dismisses the incident as being racially motivated. They point to the CVT cameras and say that the man, you know, approached multiple women, multiple women who weren't Asian, and this woman was just the unfortunate one that got pushed into the tracks and the man was homeless. He was deranged and he was mentally ill and he has a history of mental illness and Eric Adams the mayor really just puts forth the narrative that this is a um, this is an attack because of someone's mental illness and he really says that we have to continue you know putting out mental health services and fighting for you know the correct ones and having them to be accessible, particularly in our subway system, particularly among the homeless people. And actually, when I looked into this and when I was talking about it with my mom, it really came up about how problematic this is in continuing the stigma that homeless people are violent and basically forwarding the assumption that mental illness can cause these events, mental illness can cause maybe even racial bias and racial prejudice and racism, and that these attacks really represent the act of deranged, mentally ill loners. And not really taking into context what has been happening over the past two years, three years, however many years, and how this attack was not a, you know, of the moment accident that happened. Someone pushing someone into the tracks, even if they're deranged, even if you're, you know, the third person that he comes up to, it's still, you know, sort of premeditated, even if it's a minute before or an hour before or a couple years before. And I think that the mayor and just the uh, New York City's, you know, decision to erase And not acknowledge any of the context that is happening in our world, any of the context that's happening in New York City, in this man's life, really is detrimental to understanding and reducing the stigma of mental illness and really, you know, coming to terms that people are racist and people are violent towards Asian people because of this, you know, narrative that was promoted by our highest branch in government that they were to cause for the pandemic and this you know dismissal is really not new and it got me thinking about other attacks on asian people that have happened in the past couple years as well as how people can explain and like to explain away mass shootings that happen between you know other people that aren't exactly you know asian for example, back in April, an Asian bus driver in New York City was also assaulted, punched in the face, and called a racial slur after he was trying to intervene when he saw an older Asian couple being harassed verbally. And the man who attacked him was Black, he was homeless, and he had been, you know, in psychiatric wards and in jail and arrested because of these quote-unquote mental breaks. And he was arrested and charged with hate crime, but when, you know, the news and especially the New York Times ran articles about it, they really put forward the idea that mental illness causes these racial biases and these violent crimes. And I honestly think it really dismisses the negative ideas that people have around Asian people because it's kind of pushed as, oh, this is an outsider, this is a loner, this is a crazy person. And this has been done with mental illness for a long, long time since, you know, probably back in the early 20th century. It's been happening for the past couple years with an increase in mental health awareness. Mental illness has been increasingly used to explain away everyday acts of violence in America. And as I said before, this goes from attacks to Asians to, you know, mass shootings. And it also reminded me of how the man who killed 10 people in a Colorado grocery store, so he came in with a gun and shot 10 people or was shooting around and killed 10 people, he was deemed mentally incompetent to stand trial. And he was more or less exclude, excuse His violence and all the things that had led him to becoming a mass shooter was excused based on the assumption that mental illness causes Gun violence and shootings represent the deranged acts of, again, the mentally ill loner. And it allows people to, you know, continue being like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. How did this happen? You know, how did this happen? I can't imagine ever doing that. This person is, you know, totally out of their, totally not like me and really separate us from these people that, you know, will kill people, will we'll do mass shootings, we'll beat up Asian people. When the real issues of larger cultural stereotypes and anxieties about matters such as, you know, race, ethnicity, social class, politics, with mentally ill, so much so that it allows us not to have conversations and not to really, you know, come to face with the real issues of larger cultural stereotypes, anxieties, about matters such as race and ethnicity or, you know, racial tensions, social class and politics. Instead, being mentally ill is the scapegoat. Mental illness ceases to be a medical designation and becomes a sign of a violent threat. threat. And just like this, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York's initial response really perpetuates mental illness and mental health stigma. And as I said before, it doesn't actually acknowledge the real reality of racism against Asians, which has risen and been accepted when Trump called COVID the Asian virus, the China virus, and really understanding that, hey, like Asian hate, obviously it has been around, it's around, but it was even, you know, further perpetuated and it was kind of accepted because, you know, the president said it, whether you like him or not, the president did say it and, you know, gave anyone who wants to blame someone on whatever has been happening in these past couple of years someone to blame and that is Asian people and that, you know, equivalents to racism against Asians. So that's what I really want to talk about. So to fall back on mental health stigma first of all the mayor's comments further perpetuates the stigma surrounding mental illness that has been used to mark what is socially acceptable or what is normal or what we can you know connect to throughout the ages so in the early 20th century when modern psychiatry and psychology was really getting its grips in our social fabric the way that we know it now Mental illness or madness, what they it's called madness, was used to mark people who didn't align with what society wanted. And back then, it was, you know, the poor, criminals, social outcasts, prostitutes, drug addicts, drunks. And actually, they would put them, these mad people, in psychiatric wards. And you could actually, as a, you know, person, civilian, normal quote unquote normal person you could actually go to these psych wards and see these outcasts and you know you could put point at them you would laugh at them you'd be like that's madness and it would actually you know be used as a form of social control and you know give you a pat on the back that you're not like these crazy mad mentally ill people. And this really stems from the ideology of functionalism. And I'm not going to board you too much on the ideology and philosophy of it, but functionalism, functionalists look at society as an organized structure where institutions such as the family, schools, government, etc., play an important role in sustaining the function of society. And your ability to be effective and function is the most important thing that you could have. That's how you contribute to the world. One of the most famous functional psychologists argued that society was a social order based on shared norms and values. And in order to maintain this order, the society recognizes what is considered to be normal behavior and what is not. And with such institutions as the police exerting the main control over those who break this order. And it can be argued that Europe and America are functionalist societies. And we see this today with police exerting power to maintain that order to, you know, harass the people that are kind of outside of what is accepted as normal and what is functioning in society. And we have, you know, the whole institution of psychiatry that diagnoses these people with being mentally ill. And I think that understanding the history that psychiatric hospitals were a tool of social policing is really important when we talk about mental illness, and especially when we talk about the stigma surrounding mental illness, because that's where it's really rooted. Mental illness the stigma around it is really rooted in not being normal and straying away from what society wants you to be and being the unwanted. Individuals who didn't conform in the way of thinking, psychiatry back in the day was a space that could categorize them as mentally ill. So the unwanted plus the idea that mental illness is a brain disease with biological causes really can become a really powerful form of social policing and this must not be forgotten even you know in today's more modern society where you know being a drunk isn't exactly being mentally ill but you know there is still the narrative that addiction is a illness so I don't know how far we've gone from that but anyway in our context this you know idea this history is continued because So many of these crimes happen in spaces of poverty and homelessness. And the, you know, quite crude assumption or belief, stereotype that to be homeless is to be diseased. Mental distress is very, very easily chalked up to be some mental health diagnosis versus maybe this person's mentally distressed because he actually doesn't have a home and he's living on the streets and he's begging for things And that can really, you know, actually degrade someone and actually make them mentally distressed. But that is, you know, that logic is generally not followed. And by using poverty and homelessness and mental illness as an excuse, it makes this person be an outlier. Back to our incident, using mental illness to excuse people and to cast them as the unwanted, as the deranged as not part of our normal society, the man who attacked the Asian woman and pushed her into the train, he was excused because he was an outlier. And although we don't know if he actually was going after her because she was Asian or not, he's still excused as an outlier hours after the incident and way too, you know, way too soon to actually cut out racism as a motivation. And it really just excuses our system and our society so that we as people, um, you know, the city, Eric Adams, anyone really who is on the, you know, normal side of the spectrum can continue to not face the racism and hate against Asian people that has collectively, I think, risen in america over the past couple years we don't have to grapple with that we don't have to think about it and we don't have to question it um and it makes it super easy for you know people to continue their lives as normal functioning human beings because the people who are really you know attacking these asian people and killing people are nothing like us and continue the you know myth That the reasons that they do these things is not systemic and we don't have an iron in the fire that creates these violent attacks. So another thing that I want to reflect on is how Eric Adams used mental illness as a descriptor for this man. So he was a homeless mentally ill man and it really reduces the power of racism being a factor in these attacks and it kind of puts it out of the equation. Racism against Asians, even though it has risen in the past couple years, it's nothing new. America has a history of racism and prejudice against Asian immigrants and Asian Americans. It's not new and you can, you know, look up the history of it, but it's pretty far back and it's pretty old and it's been honestly historically delegitimized in the United States Because of the idea that Asians are foreigners and they're not American. And the kind of twisted idea that if you're not American, our hate against you is legitimate. So that the actions of hate, the things that we do that, you know, are racist, the laws and the actions that America puts up that are racist towards Asians is legitimate because of their foreignness. And the kind of delegitimizing of racism against Asians has continued, despite Asian hate gardening, more depressed, being defined and documented more. But just like how Trump's statement, you know, said that, you know, hate against Asians is more or less okay because look at what they did blaming them. Racism against Asians continues not to be seen as a real thing, even if, it's continued to be documented and it's continued and it's been around since the beginning of America. It's not seen as a real thing. In official documents and police statements and city statements, anti-Asian hate crimes are really continually questioned on their motive and really undercuts the reality that people are racist against Asians. And it's as if the central narrative in the cities. America in general, is hesitant about saying that Asian hate crimes have been committed. And I want to focus on the NYPD. So in the NYPD's official, you know, Asian hate crime task force, they actually erase racism being a central factor, a central factor of these attacks. Instead, the city says that it's actually not the racism that is causing the attacks. It's just a common denominator that should be more or less dismissed. But the bottom line actually is mental illness and that we should really focus on the stress and pressure that the pandemic brings. And it's really just erasing the context of these crimes. And I found that this way of thinking of you know, dismissing Asian racism and putting mental illness in its place happened again when people talked about the shooting in Atlanta in March with eight people being killed, six of them being Asian women. So basically the shooter, which was a white man who was accused of going on a violent rampage to three local spas, Authorities said that he actually had a sexual addiction and wanted to rid himself of the temptation by carrying out the shootings of of these massage parlors that he frequented in the past. The shooter said that he was not motivated by racial hatred and it was a sex addiction. And the first thing that many people jumped to was, yes, this is a mental illness issue, when in fact, sexual addiction is actually not considered a mental illness under the Diagnosis and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, when it's actually not a mental illness. Instead, it's actually a textbook hate crime, and it really comes down to the man's actions shouldn't be taken out of context of the current spike in anti-Asian attacks and his comment on his sexual addiction And actually, his comment on his sexual addiction surrounding Asian women in particular actually hints to a form of racist misogyny. And yes, this does bring up the conversation of Asian women, fetishism, and sexuality, but we're just going to stick with this for now, which is a different conversation. So just to underline and just to conclude, by using the term mentally ill and having the person's history of what is labeled as a mental illness as the explanation of the attack actually undercuts the reality of racism against asian people asian americans asian immigrants and that's what's problematic talking about racist attacks attacks on a particular group that is in the current climate targeted because of real life things and things that have been perpetuated And just to, you know, reiterate, we don't know the real story, but I think that we should investigate more and that we need to be conscious and aware of the cultural context that we live in. I think, honestly, jumping to the conclusion that he was just a deranged loner is not the right conclusion to jump to. I think if you were to jump to any conclusion without you know, investigating thoroughly for over multiple days and putting a conclusion out hours after the attack, I think that conclusion should go more along the lines of man who fell into financial strife during the pandemic, attacks an Asian woman on opportunity in a burst of anger about how his life has turned due to the coronavirus, also called the China virus by by President Donald Trump. Of the United States of America. And I think honestly, that headline is probably more accurate. Even though we don't have the full story, it's a more nuanced and more educated assumption and actually takes into the context of our world and of our country. And yes, he could be mentally ill. I'm not saying that he wasn't mentally ill, but at the end of the day, we have to realize and understand that we live in a white supremacist society. And as to why this legacy of discrimination against Asians doesn't get incorporated into the context that allows for these spikes and attacks against Asians to become classified as racial motivated, it's the implicit bias of the people of the cities that are making these determinations. When we have coronavirus, when we have COVID 19, which is a foreign virus, and you have the highest parts of government. Scapegoating Asians, calling the coronavirus the China virus, and other derogatory phrases to describe the pandemic, you have to weigh in the context of which these things happen. You, you have to stop questioning why these things are happening and actually look around and see the history that may be leading up to these events. Whether it be the idea of social deviance and the role of psychiatry in enforcing social orders that has to be looked at. We also have to discuss what we consider normal and why racism is incorporated or not incorporated in being normal. We need to think about the context of which these crimes happen in and what political powers are really at work. We also need to be aware that if we don't want to find racism or hate within these crimes we won't find one and it's way too easy for this slip to happen. We also need to think about white supremacy and systemic racism and what we include in both of those words. Why are Asians not included when we think about racism right now in 2022? What does the term hate crime open us up to us? And why do we want to question what type of hate it is? And why is mental illness so easy to fall onto when racism is so hard to fall onto? when talking about attacks against Asian people. So my cautioning is that insanity and mental illness cannot become the only politically correct place to discuss racism, attacks against Asian people, and also gun control. We have to, you know, talk about all the other narratives that are happening. The narratives of displaced male anxiety about demographic change, the mass psychology needing so many guns in the first place when it comes to mass shootings, racism that is perpetuated from the highest branches of government. So my challenge to, I guess, America is to question the assumptions that frequently arise in the aftermath of racist attacks against asian people the assumption that mental illness causes violence the assumption that psychiatric diagnosis can predict violence and also the assumption that sometimes attacks aren't racist and aren't racially motivated or aren't motivated by other things such as male anxieties or larger cultural stereotypes or social class or even politics Instead, they are just the deranged acts of mentally ill loners that are violent and should be locked up in a psychiatric ward. So yeah, that's the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that this caused you to think a little bit and brought some ideas and questions out, and I just really encourage everyone to think critically about events and also think critically about how we are told events and what is assumed with them, and what stereotypes and um, stigmas are being continued when we talk about mental illness and violence, especially in America, especially when it comes to anti-Asian hate crimes and also mass shootings. So let me know what you think. If you have any questions, reflections, disagreements, agreements, let me know. I'm always available at the Active Optimists on Instagram. Or you can leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. So I will leave you with that. Thank you so much again for listening. I will leave you with lots of love, peace, and joy. Have a good week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Bye.